I left that day and I went shoplifting and went and sold it. You went shoplifting? Where? Yes. Um, oh Lord, can I say the store? No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Well, hello, hello, beautiful people. It's your girl, Shabivia, and welcome back to another episode of the Legally Coolest Entrepreneurs Podcast, where I share lifestyle, side hustle, and business gems that can help you improve the quality of your life and business. Now, today, I am super, super excited because I have a very special guest and friend, OJ with the Fro, okay? We're going to be sharing, or he's going to be sharing his financial journey, okay? How you can go from tragedy to triumph, from having a low credit score to higher credit score to to have purchasing power and acquire real estate or even acquire your first property. Now he's going to be sharing some of the things that he went through his process and he's also going to share with you all some tips as to how you can overcome some of the everyday obstacles in purchasing your first home. So listen, he's going to get real with you all okay. He, that's what I like about OJ okay. He is authentic and real all right. If, if there was anybody that I could have on this podcast today to talk about how to fix your credit, how to repair your own credit so you don't have to, you know, pay a whole, whole bunch of money to credit people because child. And we're just going to get into it today, okay? We are going to get into all of it, all right? So I am happy to introduce to you all Mr. OJ with the Fro. So welcome to the show, OJ. Super, yeah. super excited and happy to have you here, all right? I'm happy so, to be here. Awesome. So listen, I just want to get right into it, right? Tell the audience a little bit about OJ. Who's OJ? I'm OJ with the fro, as y'all can see. <laughs> Shanice and I, we um we talk a lot about just finances and, you know, our personal journeys and from time to time, you know, just on a personal note, you know, hey girl, how you doing? You know, stuff like that. Um, I have an extensive background in the financial industry, lending, banking, mortgage, um, just to name a few. And so, you know, Shanice and I, we always speak about our personal issues. And so I agreed to meet with her today um, to discuss some uh, some of my journey, as well as uh, give a few tips on how you can improve, you know, your credit score by that first house. And I'll give it to you, you know, real deal Holyfield. He's going to give it to us real. Okay. And first of all, let me just say how this podcast episode came about. We were literally just having a, you know, normal little conversation like, you know, we typically do. And, you know, I'm a curious person, so I'm always asking questions. And the topic came up about, you know, him fixing up, the, you know, this new home that he, you know, purchased and all of that. And so here comes the question. And you were like, you bought a house? <laughs> exactly. Like right. And like, I was just in, you know, so interested in everything that he was saying about his journey and i was like listen i need to get you on this episode okay my podcast so here we are all right so let's talk about your journey so you are a new homeowner when did you purchase your home i purchased my home back in february so this february 2022 correct before these interest rates you know oh my goodness yeah that that's for a whole new episode <laughs> i'm telling you so yeah what what was that journey like like how long were you looking for a house let's talk about that I will say that, um, you know, I would say my journey began years ago. I had some financial mishaps, and so it sort of halted my journey a lot um, years ago. You know, of course, being young, you know, having running up, you know, the credit cards on the Hermes and, you know, <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> I found myself in a plethora of debt. 
at a young age, you know, I started making a good income and things like that. So, you know, with that being said, having no background in finances for my family, you know, you start to, you know, get that first big check or whatever that you think is a big check. And, you know, you just start shopping and, you know, spending unnecessary money, maxing out credit cards, doing all that hoopla. And so, you know, found myself at a very, very, very early age, you know, in a plethora of um, debt, maybe over $60,000 by the time I was 21, 22. And so, you know, I had those older friends telling me like, you know, OJ, you know, stop spending money on those credit cards. You're just going to catch up to you. And I'm like, girl, please, I pay my credit card off every month. And, you know, you know, just floating debt pretty much. And, you know, looking back on our floating debt, found myself bankrupt, literally, in the court of law. <laughs> and so I found myself in a plethora of debt. And so maybe, you know, upwards of uh, $50,000 or more. And so I felt like it was the end of the world. And so I felt that my alternative was bankruptcy. Um, never had been late on the payment. I think I was, what, 22 at the time. It overwhelming my American Express Platinum card was due. And um, I was so overwhelmed. I was riding the car with a friend at the time. And I was like, I'm so overwhelmed. I think I started crying that day. And I'm not an emotional person. But I started crying. And so she's like, oh, my God. You know, she didn't know what to do. And so I ended up doing research finding a bankruptcy attorney and so when I met with the attorney the attorney you know he gave advice hey file looking back I wouldn't have filed we'll get into that later <laughs> but I filed and you know felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders you know it's a little intimidating you know not having your credit cards to fall on and not being able to acquire new debt at that time. So used to living on credit. So first of all, OJ, I wanted to ask, so how at 22 you got an American Express Platinum card? And people at 30 can't even get that card. And second of all, you said that you were working a good job at that time, right? Like what what were you doing at 22? And 22, did you go to college? What if I were to tell you that in less than 60 days, you can get an 80 paydex score and start building business credit for your business and get access to thousands of dollars in cash and credit. Yes, I said it. I have created a step-by-step guide that will help you form an official business and build solid business credit in literally less than 60 days. You guys, this guide has helped thus far over a thousand people start their businesses and build solid business credit, okay? I've even added a list of commercial business auto lenders where you can get approved for a business auto loan. Listen, you guys, this business credit guide has tons of value. Go ahead and grab yours today at coachshybivia.gumroad.com. Again, that's coachshybivia.gumroad.com, and the link will be in the show notes. Now let's get right back to the episode. No, I had my American Express at 19. Oh, really? Yes. And how did you get that? (laughs) I applied and I got approved. No spending limit, no credit limit or whatever at the time. No No credit limit. No preset spending limit at the time. At 19? At 19. Do you know what your credit score was? Um, To be honest, probably not. Um, I think I had at the time maybe, you know, two credit cards with $1,000 limits that at the time probably were maxed out. Or near maxed out, but or maybe not. That's when I would pay off debt, you know, every month. 
Oh, okay. You know, I was, like the minimum payment paid off or I the pay minimum off, payment? But okay. my credit line was probably $1,000, maybe $2,000. So it was a lot easier to just pay off in full. Right. You know, I would have my friends telling me, that's going to catch up to you. It's going to catch up to you one day. And I'm like, girl, please. Like, <laughs> I can pay this little $1,000 on my paycheck next week. Like, get out of my business. So, <laughs> so what kind of job were you doing to have $1,000 to pay off? Like, were you living with your parents? Like, where were you I was, living? I was still living at home with my mom. So minimal debt. I think I had my car note at the time was like, it's five hundred dollars at the time, which you know, five hundred dollars not much. a now, lot, but you know, back at then, the time, yeah. I mean, it's still a lot. But um, at the time, I think my car insurance was probably two sixty a month when I was young, and phone bill probably one hundred and fifty dollars. So I think at the time I was making you know, right at fifty grand a year. Mm. So, you know, not many expenses, but, you know, a pretty, pretty decent salary for a 19-year-old. So what were you doing at, you know, 19, 22? What kind of job did you have um, making $50,000 a year? Well, um, I dropped out of high school when I was 15 um, in the 10th grade. And um, so I would spend, like, a lot of my time um, at a girlfriend's beauty shop. She was an older girlfriend, and so I would be at her hair salon and see all the women come in with their, you know, fancy handbags at the time. And I was like, I want that. I want, I want that Louis Vuitton. And, you know, <laughs> this is, you know, the mid-2000s or so, you know, maybe late uh, to mid-2000s before 2010. And so I was like, what do you do for a living? And so, you know, the ladies would be like, oh, I work customer service. I work collections. I make, you know, $15 an hour. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, $15 an hour? Like, you know, Wendy's is only paying me $6. Like... $15? And so they're like, yeah, I make $15 an hour. I make $13 an hour. I get a bonus of $1,000 a month. And I'm like, oh my God, $1,000 a month? Mm. And so from that, after I dropped out, and speaking of dropping out, the lady at the front door of the school told me, you know, if you leave this school today, I had left in the middle of the day to get food. And she said, if you leave the school today, don't worry about coming back. I took her advice. I didn't come back. Not glorified. Oh, wow. So you... <laughs> Not so, glorifying it, but glorified for me. So that's literally how you left school at 15 and just didn't come back? Yes. The person at the door, I went to like a school, you know, in the, I guess not the best parts of town. So mm -hmm. they had like a table that sat at the door with the metal detector. Yeah. And so she tells me I would leave every day to go get food. And so she says to me, if you walk out that door and it's probably like 11 a.m. So, you know, I, really, I wasn't a regular class skipper like the regular kids. My mom would let me use the car. And get myself to a fork. I guess she was just lazy or whatnot. So she would let me use the car. She would say, take the keys. Yeah. And this is at 15, no driver's license or anything. So I'm at the school. Um, and so every day I'm leaving. And so this particular day I leave. And so she tells me, if you leave, you know, don't worry about coming back. And maybe like a week prior to that, I had started, you know, falling off in class or whatever. You know, I just didn't have a desire to be there or an engagement in my mind to be there. And I remember a history um, teacher told me, that you're my class sleep you ain't gonna have anything yet you know he didn't use those words but he's like you ain't gonna have anything you ain't gonna be anything but he used right. you know the other words mm. and so i remember just feeling discouraged at school i didn't feel like school was for me at that time um and so when i left that day she said don't worry about coming back and so i'm thinking to myself don't worry i won't <laughs> and so i think i left and i left that day and i went shoplifting and went and sold it you went shoplifting where yes um, oh Lord, can I say the store? No. <laughs> Never mind. It was a popular clothing store back in the day. But um I would shoplift instead of going to school because I made I, Where were your parents? 
she was working and, you know, she would work nights. And so that's how I was able to use the car and go to school because she would work nights and she wouldn't um, want to get up and take me to school. And at the time, okay. the bus stop was nowhere around. Like, I had to walk far or whatever. I think I complained. And so she was like, I'm sick of you complaining about taking you to school every morning. So, you know, just take the keys or whatever. I leave school that day um, and I'm like, I'm not coming back. And so I end up at the local mall at a Barnes and Noble because it's probably about, you know, nine. 15 when I left school that morning. Mm -hmm. I make it to the uh, shopping mall around 9.45. So I end up at the Barnes and Nobles with the Starbucks. I go to the Starbucks. I have me a brownie warmed up and a caramel macchiato at the time. <laughs> while waiting Wait, you were for... having your own school at Barnes and Noble? <laughs> I wasn't reading anything. I was just waiting for the stores to open. If you're at the mall at, you know, well, at that time at least, <laughs> maybe still today. Um, if you were at the mall when they opened... You know, you could um, ease in and ease out. And the store, um, you know, I won't say the name. I would go into those dark stores um, <laughs> when they opened. And so, you know, everybody's sleepy in the morning. So, you know, you ease in and you ease out. By the time, you know, 1030 come, you've already made your money. 11 o'clock, you know, you're able to go and, you know, finish your items and get rid of them and, you know, and stuff like that and, and make your money. So between, you know, shoplifting and, you know, making that fast money, you know, I would say maybe from 15 to 18 years old, um, around the time of my 18th birthday, I was like, you know, I don't want to go to jail or get a record. And so <laughs> I gave up, you know, shoplifting for good. I had, you know, more for my life and thoughts and everything. And, you know, seeing the ladies at the hair salon. And also I might add, one of my girlfriends, she was maybe two years older than me and I would ride to school with her. She got a job with the government processing immigration visas. And at the time, this is um, probably in 2008 or so. And so she tells me, hey, they're hiring. And I'm 17 at the time. And so I had given up shoplifting by that point. She told me about this job. She's like, apply. And so I had to go and do a typing test at the workforce um, office. Do the typing test, pass the typing test after 15 tries. I'm not a good typer even to this day. And so get this job with the government at 17. They have my ID. Well, they hire me at 17 under the premises that I'm 18 because I put a later year on my documentation. They hired <laughs> me. I gave them my ID. I gave them my social security card. They, no one ever looked at the date that I put on the application versus right, my I ID. Verified it. So they just hired me. So I'm 17 with full benefits, 401k, oh, wow. all these things. Did you even them. know what a 401k was at the time? No, no, absolutely not. I don't think I even signed up. <laughs> or maybe I did. I can't remember. I had heard of one, but, you know, I'm just sitting in orientation like, 401k, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, at 17, my girlfriend, she's 19. So she was a little bit more mature. And so I remember, like, all of my coworkers that sat around me, they're much older. And so I'm, like, the talkative one. And so they're like, he talked too much. Like, you know, get the work done. But, yeah, I had that job. Um and they were paying me, you know, I want to say like $26,000 a year. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm on top of the world. Mm -hmm. And I ended up getting fired for calling in. I called I'm in calling in sick? Yes. Oh, well, what okay. happened was I called in and I think I made like a fake doctor's note or something at the time. I, I don't know. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But she called me and was like, hey, we called um, the, the hospital. And the hospital um, said that you weren't there or this hospital name was not the same something or another i can't remember you know the details mm -hmm. and so i remember i was all nervous she was like you're on administrative leave and so 
I put in my notice like that same evening because I was so nervous. I'm like, I don't want to get Because you knew you were going to get fired. Yeah, so like, I don't want to get fired. And so, you try to beat them to it. <laughs> right. So from there, I'm like, oh, my God, now I have to find me a job, you know, making at least, you know, $26,000 a year. So after that, I ended up pushing carts at a local supermarket for like six bucks an hour um, to get my phone bill paid. Because I'm at this point, you know, oh, I'm, not wow, in, so I'm not in school. I'm 17, you know, almost 18 with, you know, I'm not shoplifting. I would go with my girlfriend at this time, you know, but, you know, I'm not personally making any money at this time. Right. I'm not trying to, you know, destroy my record. And so in between that, I'm applying for customer service jobs like crazy. And so as I'm applying for customer service jobs, I'm getting turned down because they're like, you don't know the dialer. I didn't know what the dialer was. And so I'm like, oh, snaps. Like, what? what is a dialer? And so after about, you know, five failed job interviews for a customer service job, I'm like, well, I'm going to just start lying and tell them I know what the dialer is. <laughs> and so I tell them, I know what the dialer is. And so I get this job at a third-party collection agency, you know, finally, and start working there. And a coworker of mine she asked one day, hey, can you give me a ride home? I live, you know, on your route to the house. And so I'm like, sure. And at the time, gas was high. This is like the, the 2008, 2009 era. Because I'm eight, Oh, that's uh, at this when point, the recession? At this point, I'm 18. Yes. At that's this the point, recession. I'm 18. Yeah, oh. like $3 and change. So it's not as high as it is now, but, you know, that that astronomical high at that time. Yeah. And at the time, I was driving a, a large SUV that my mom owned. And so she said, hey, I'll give you, you know, gay, I'll give you $20 a day or whatever, $20 every two days to um, drop me off. And so I was like, cool. And so maybe about four days into dropping her off, she tells me, hey, by the way, I'm leaving the company, this third-party collection agency. I got a job at a huge bank collecting. And so she's like, I got it through a temporary agency. And so I'm like, tell me more. I want to get on. You know, I want that job. You know, there's all the crabs in a barrel you know, story comes, you know, to play. Well, you have to have so many years of collection experience and this and that. And I'm like, well, just give me the information. Well, I don't think it'll be a good fit for you. And, you know, crabs in a barrel. Right. And so she tells me, but she had already told me the name of the company. Just not the, she didn't tell me the temporary agency, but she told me the name of the large bank. So instead of me finding a temporary agency, I go directly to the large bank's website and apply. I get a call back like the next day. Oh wow! For an interview. So you skip the yes, yeah, the and stuff. and let me back up a little bit between you know fifteen and eighteen, between my little shoplifting stints, <laughs> you know. And I will say this, people: I was always ethical. Even jobs that I worked, I never stole from a job. I never, you know, did those type of things. <laughs> Maybe a few discounts, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I worked at like a lot of jobs between you know fifteen and eighteen, just trying to find myself. You know, what do I want to do? And so when I finally got the job um, at the large bank as a um, collector and got the job, aced the interview. I remember the interview, the lady is like, you know, tell me about your experience. And so, you know, I'm, I'm embellishing my experience or whatnot. But, you know, I get the job somehow. So you ask your friend about the collection job. Mm-hmm. You went straight to the bank website. Correct. Okay. And then you started as a, a collector, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but, and this is what I want to touch on persistency, though, because during that period of me getting hired at the large bank, got a call from the recruiter. Hey, we're going to offer you the job. This is the salary. 
the salary was, you know, I'll give numbers. It was like 30000 a year. And, you know, I'm like super ecstatic. The recruiter says, we're going to start your background check. I never had a criminal record besides, you know, maybe a few, you know, traffic tickets here and there, traffic citations. And they had me fill out the form for my job history. <laughs> One job I had got terminated from and I didn't disclose that I got terminated. I think I put I got laid off where I left. I can't remember. It was oh, like, okay. you know, some, you know, teenager type job between 15 and 18. And, you know, I think it was like a shoe store or something. And when I got fired, but maybe I didn't get fired. I don't know. I think it was like one of those, you know, holiday working jobs. And so I don't know if I was fired or laid off or what. So I think I put that I was laid off. Okay. And so they put in their system. I was terminated. Hmm. And so the large bank called and said, hey, unfortunately, we have to rescind your offer because when we did our background check, you know, it came back that oh, wow. you were fired hmm. and you put down that you were laid off. Oh, wow. So would you say that it's best to just be, well, that would be. The, well, I don't think it authentic. matters now, per se, because now everything is considered a termination, whether you quit or leave. But back then. Oh, really? How so? Well, you're, you have a termination date now. You know, people pull like the work number and things like that and they show termination dates. So it right. didn't really say the premise is whether you left or not. But back then, you know, it was more personal. Okay. So they would call up the HR would say, hey, they were terminated. And I think at the time that the large bank just wasn't advanced as much as they should have been mm -hmm. to, you know, divulge. And then, you know, state laws and things like that, you really can't, you know, give too much information. They were just, they just heard, hey, he was terminated. Right. And so I'm like, oh, no. So she's like, we have to rescind your offer. And so I remember telling her, hey, don't rescind it yet. And she said, what? Excuse me? And I'm like, hey, don't rescind it yet. I'm going to get this taken care of. So, you know, the shoe store was like a you know, large chain or whatever. And so I remember calling to the store. None of the managers that I worked with worked at the store anymore. One had moved out of state. The other two managers that were there when I was working had left the company. Hmm. So I literally called around, tracked down the one manager that um, still worked with the company in another state. And I was like, hey, you know, what happened with my employment? Was I fired? You know, I don't remember. I just remember, you know, not being on the schedule anymore. And so she was sort of like, well, I don't remember either. You know, I wasn't the manager that hired or fired, you know, necessarily. So she put me in contact with someone in HR and she was like, contact this person here. They can divulge more. And so... Anywho, it was put into the system that I was fired, but technically I just, you know, was never called back to work. I was technically fired, but I was like, hey, I was never called in for work. And they were like, well, you were terminated. Uh, we don't see a reason. And so she was like, apparently I'm going to assume this was a layoff. I'm going to assume. She said, I don't know. I don't know the parameters. There were like no notes from any managers or whatnot. So she wrote me a letter personally uh, for me to give to the new recruiter with the large bank. Oh, Get wow. it to the new recruiter. They had it approved and, you know. Oh, wow. Look, my offer. look so, at that. Wow. Blessings upon blessings. Right. That's amazing. Like, so you really, like, really worked your way. Like, it shows you, though, that's why sometimes you kind of have to really be persistent, like, not take the first no. You and, know? and I learned that early on not to um, take the first no. Right. I think that's very important for, right. uh, you know, young uh, people now. Like, you know, don't. And, and, you know, and it's not about being nasty about it. It's about, you know, Knowing what's best for you know, knowing mm -mm. what's best for you, and I think that a lot of the younger generation believe like you know, let me fight every battle. I'm not saying not to fight for what's you know worthy of you, but pick your battles too. Pick your battles, but do it in a very um, 
intellectual way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you were, okay, so now you're working at this big bank, mm -hmm. making $30,000 a year. You feel like you're on top of the world. <laughs> Right. So, at 18, at 18. And, this, right. and just know, this is, you know, years ago when $30,000, you know, actually something. meant some, some sort. You know, you could get, you know, rent for five dollars $600 a month. So, you know, it meant something. Right. In a nice place, in a beautiful place. You were a beautiful place with $800 a month rent. So, at this time, where did you move out? Were you living on no, your own? I remember still staying at home uh, at the time, still at home. And two weeks into my large bank collection job there was like um classroom training we do the classroom training i remember like falling asleep in the classroom training mm -hmm. i remember you know i didn't i missed so many key points in training mm -hmm. <laughs> when we started on the job training i remember people calling in needing you know assistance and i was like i don't know how to help you because i didn't know how to do the 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 I, the the task in the system to help these people out mm -hmm. because I was asleep during that classroom training, and so, and I was embarrassed to ask for help because I'm like, oh lord, they'll they'll clock me. They'll know that you know I didn't pay attention in training and, and <laughs> you know, I don't know how to set up these payment plans and this stuff here. And so, luckily, about two weeks into on the job training, um, we're pulled to the side, my team and I. It's probably about eleven of us or so, and so. They tell us, hey, your team was um, chosen for a special project. Okay. And so we're like, okay. And I remember working the job. It was like this one lady. She was like a higher up manager on the floor. And I remember she dressed in like these nice, you know, jeans of true religions and stuff every day. She had like the different, you know, colors and stuff. And I was like, oh, and, you know, in awe at the time. I was like, I want some true religions, you know, at the time. And so she would always have her hair done, you know, really nicely. And I was like, I want her job. And so she came to tell the team that, hey, you all have been chosen for a special project. And, and while telling us, she tells us, hey, I wish I was chosen too. Like, this is a great opportunity. And like, as she's telling us this, I'm like, oh, she really wants this job that we have. Like, okay, we got lucky. And so they tell us, you're no longer going to be on the phone. We're going to move you all to your actual own desk. You know, still a cubicle, but you're going to like get phones. You're not going to be on a dialer. You're going to be, you know, working with this new team. And so when they move us over, um, you know, they tell us, hey, you all are going to start helping um, out the underwriting department. Okay. Because they're backed out. They're, they're backed up. Backed up. And this and was what year you said? This was in 2009. Okay. So that's that's when, like, the recession. Correct. So they probably had a lot going Correct. on so back then. So a lot then. of um, yeah. servicing and a lot of um, default issues going on in, in, you know, right. in that period. Yeah. And so underwriting, there are two sides of underwriting. There is, you know, um, the origination side. Then there's the, there the servicing side. Mm -hmm. And so this was the more so the servicing side at the time. And so they're like, you're going to help out, you know, underwriting. And... As we're sitting there calling people to collect documentations for under documentation for the underwriters, I remember one of my coworkers are like, "Hey, did you know underwriters make you know ninety thousand dollars a year? Wow, <laughs> or eighty thousand mm -hmm. dollars a year? You know, something astronomical, right. astronomically more than what we make. You know, what I made at the time. Yeah, so I'm like, oh really? <laughs> 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 and so she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what? What is an underwriter? You know, what? I've never even heard of that. Like, girl, like, like I'm happy to be a, a, a customer service. I'm happy to be here. You know, <laughs> able to leave and go get my coffee as I please. Like, 
girl, you talking nonsense. Like, what? what is that? And so she's like, hopefully they train us or whatever. So I'm like, okay. Fast forward, they tell us, okay, you all are collecting docs. We want to teach you all how to start putting these things together and getting them ready for the underwriter. Because at this point, we're just collecting docs. We're just calling people saying, hey, we're looking at a list. Hey, we see here you haven't provided your pay stuff. You haven't provided your. Oh, okay. So it sounds like a, like a loan processor. I did that. Yeah, but at one it's like, point. A, but it's a, a pre-processor. You're just calling, literally saying, right. like, "Hey, we don't know what the in the world these documents are." Right, because the just, underwriters they'll put the notes in. This correct. needs this. This needs this. We have no one. clue what the documents are. We just know, hey, you're missing a pay stub. You're missing a hardship letter. <laughs> the hardship letter. You, you know, just say what's enough. on the paper. Yeah. What's in the what's. It What's was, in the file, but you don't know actually know what, what it is. Yeah, your hardship letter said you got a divorce and stuff like that, but you didn't say how that affected your finances. You know, we, you said you had cancer, but you didn't tell us how that affected your finances. Oh, wow. You said you, you know, were in a major car accident, but you didn't say how, you know, that affected your finances. We need you to break it down more. So, you know, things right. like that we would call about. But then they were like, you know, you guys are going to start processing these things, meaning you're going to start, you know, actually knowing what to look for and making sure they're ready for the underwriters to make a decision. Okay. So, all right. So, hold up. Back up. So, this girl says, underwriters make $98,000. Y'all are basically doing half of the work, right? Yeah, in, yeah. A, in a sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the underwriters. Yeah, in a sense. So, I hope you get to the part where they say you get a raise. <laughs> we start mini processing and whatnot. And so, then they tell us, hey, we need more underwriters. Oh, wow. So, they tell us, hey... Go start, you know, um, shadowing underwriters. We start oh. shadowing underwriters, and so this is when it gets real. Okay, you're shadowing these underwriters, and you know, you, you my I live in a two bedroom apartment. My rent is sixteen hundred a month. I drive this fancy BMW. Mm. Oh, I do this. I do that. I take trips. <laughs> right now, it's getting real to me. Like, and y'all are paying me what? Like, I can't afford to do all this. I mean, I could. I, was, I didn't have any bills. But, you know, like, they're like, I got rent, kids, and I'm still doing it. So, I'm like, right. oh, okay. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And so, then, you know, as a team, as a collective, we start getting together, like, complaining. We're like, this ain't going to cut it. Like, you know, how much you make? Mm-hmm. I make thirteen fifty. How much you make? I make fourteen. How much you make? I make, you know, twelve. I make fifteen. So, at this point, we start, you was know. Was that a month for those people? No, an hour. Dollars. Oh, fifteen dollars. Yes. Okay, okay. So at this point, we're we're like talking, you know, small talk now. Like, how much do you make? You know, breaking the rules. So we're like, we gotta take this to the manager. And at this point, they move us over to the underwriting manager. Oh wow! So we all have the same managers, but we're at a disadvantage in pay. Everyone else is making all this money. And mm-hmm. let's be clear, servicing underwriters don't, you know, necessarily make a lot of money. But these underwriters were underwriters prior to the market crash. And so they didn't change their salary. They just moved their positions. Mm. So that's why a lot of them were still making a lot of money at the time. Most of them had did origination underwriting and they just had been with the company for a while. Okay. And so we um, complained, complained, complained. So they gave us, you know, a little, I think 20% raise or 15% raise at the time. It was like their max. So in the interim, I started applying for other underwriting jobs. Applied for another major bank. Got a call back from the recruiter. The recruiter tells me, or the recruiter asks me, how long have you been underwriting? I tell him, oh, for a few months, <laughs> you know, maybe two or three months at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no, I don't even know why, how it even popped up for me to even call you. Wow, he said that? Yeah, I don't even know how it popped up for me to even call you. You don't have enough experience. Like, how did this even happen? Yeah, they're not going to want you. No lie, facts. 
Okay, wow. facts. And I'm just, you know, I'm at the time, I think I'm still 18. Mm-hmm. I'm blown away. I'm like, oh, really? Or maybe 19. Or, yeah. No, yeah, maybe 19 at this point. And so I'm like blown away, like, oh, my God. And so, you know, we end that or whatever. So maybe two to three months later, the same recruiter calls back. He says to me, they want to interview you. I don't know why, but they want to interview you. Hmm. You don't have the experience. I don't know what these people are doing. They want to interview you. I mean, sometimes when <laughs> something's for you, it's just yes. for you, you know? Yes. He calls back and tells me those words. I don't know, you yeah. know why, but, you know, they want to interview you. Mm-hmm. So I go to the interview, you know, my little, you know, 19 unprofessional stuff at the time. And I remember going into the interview, telling the manager how pretty she was and how I liked her makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, fast forward, I get I get the job. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when my like my pay is raised. It's not raised to eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year because at the time I didn't know I got hired as a servicing underwriter. Oh, okay. So I'm making like fifty grand a year at the time. Okay. And so well, twenty thousand dollars more than twenty thousand. Right. right. So before I left that job, I'm like walking around telling all my coworkers because at this point they still have us on the collection customer service floor. Okay. They just have us, you know, in the middle of the floor, you know, making everyone else jealous. Mm-hmm. And making everyone else just envious of us. And so I remember like being so professional. I walked around telling all my coworkers, hey, I got a job at so and so, so and so, and they're going to be paying me so and so, so and so. Just unprofessional, just unprofessional, <laughs> you know, looking back. Mm-hmm. And so I get the new job or whatever. And so working at that large bank, I got my first credit card. Mm, okay. And I had bought my first car. Buying my first car was a whole other, you know, uh, challenge. We'll talk about that at a later date, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But, um, get that you know so i get my credit rolling and so when i get my second job making fifty thousand dollars a year i think i'm rich because at this point i'm making more than my mom has ever made and prior to that even when i was making the 20 the thirty thousand, i was making more than my mom had ever made on a job so mm-hmm. when i make the 50 you know i'm you know i'm thinking i'm hot stuff so okay so you started doing that started making fifty thousand dollars a year so let's talk about how you got yourself in debt you know Thinking I was, you know, balling and rich. Right. And not rich or balling. Right. Because you've never seen $50,000 before. So, Correct. Yeah. You know, I thought, you know. And you probably didn't have good financial, like, literacy growing no, up, right? No financial literacy. Um, right. None. Started making that. And so, had my one credit card. So, I think I applied for, like, a secondary credit card with, like, a department store. Mm-hmm. You know, I would go and shop and, you know, have the nicest outfits to go out. And so then it always fascinated me, though, with credit, credit and credit cards. It always fascinated me for some Like, reason. what about it? What fascinated you about it? I don't know. And, you know, and at the time, you know, we didn't have any YouTube videos to really, you know, refer to. Mm-hmm. But something fascinated me about it. The idea of being able to just get what you want. On a credit and pay it back later. Easily. Yeah. Like, you know, something just fascinating. And I think from just seeing other people's credit reports and just see other people's you know profile and hear other people talk it just mm-hmm. something resonated with me and you know i'm not gonna think i know what it was i was um one of my co-workers she asked me we were talking about my car loan my first car loan and she's like and i tell her my interest rate and i was like i had an eight percent and she's like eight percent eight percent I'm like yeah that's good girl like you're not good <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, absolutely not. 
I think I got a 2%, but I didn't even finance my car. I did, you know, another avenue to pay cash. Right. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking to myself, like, girl, my mama always got 18%. So, you know, oh, I wow. thought I was good. See, that's where that whole financial <laughs> literacy thing, your background, like what you see from your parents, your yeah. aunt, your uncle. My mama was paying $500 a month for an old car. Wow. And I'm like, I got a brand new car here for $500 a month. Like, girl, what is the problem? <laughs> like, why are you hating? <laughs> and so, that's, but something fascinated me about it. Just something, I don't know, you know, just going back. Right. And so, one day, we were slow in work, and I just happened to be applying for credit cards. I think I applied for, like, three credit cards. That I think I applied for, like, a Walmart credit card and an Old Navy and, you know, an American Express. Got approved on all three. Oh, wow. Just, like, simultaneously. And, you know, didn't know what I had. I remember, like, the American Express card came in, like, this welcome packet. It was, like, overnighted to me. And I remember I felt like... Yeah, American Expresses, yeah, they're fancy. They're quick. It was a platinum. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, like, doing my research, like... And, you know, even at the time, I enjoyed, like, going to, like, fancy restaurants and stuff. And so, you know, I would always Google, like, you know, what can make me fancier? What can make me look fancier? And also... And you asked about the American Express card. When I made thirty thousand a year, I w- I loved Saks Fifth Avenue in Neiman Marcus because mm. of those True Religion jeans that I would see her walk around in. Yeah, I started shopping at Saks to buy those True Religion jeans, and this is back when True Religion jeans were like three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars a whop. Oh, this wow. is before they even had True Religion stores in the mall. Mm-hmm. And so I would go into the Saks and buy those items and the names or whatever about the true religions and I love like just you know the, the luxury items and Neiman Marcus at the time only accepted a Neiman Marcus credit card cash or an American Express oh wow <laughs> so I need an American Express never done on me to get a, a Neiman Marcus card right but I ended up getting American Express for Neiman Marcus and so got the credit card it came in this beautiful package this invitation and so you know let me know like hey <clears throat> Got all these airport lounges and stuff like that, and get all these rental car discounts and stuff like that. So it intrigued me, just you know, having it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so getting into debt, I would say traveling. I would go to like the award shows and stuff, and you know, I remember buying like an Hermes belt for like a thousand dollars with the H on it. Right, a thousand dollar, you know. Louis Vuitton wallet. So what like what was going through your head at that time in regards to like while you're spending, right? Are you telling yourself, Oh, I can pay it back. I can pay it back. I make the money. Right. I make make the money. I'll have I'll have this, you know, after your two thousand dollars in debt, oh, you know, it starts off I can pay it all in full. Right. I pay it off every month. And then it starts to, well, I'll pay a thousand this week, you know, and I'll pay another thousand when I get paid, you know. I'll pay it off in three months. You know, it starts like that. And then I think in the interim, I had got myself up to about $8,000 in debt at one point. Mm -hmm. So I went and got like a consolidation loan from like one of the, you know, finance companies. Right. And they gave me like 10 grand. And I remember I was so, you know, good about it. I paid that loan off in like three months. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I'm debt free again. Right. And so, you know, started over. I think I increased all of my credit card limits and stuff like that. So, you know, just shopping and, you know at the time being young like I had I have to fly first class like you know just spending unnecessary money unnecessary mm-hmm. money staying at some of the fanciest you know fancier hotels maybe mm-hmm. not the fanciest but you know some of the fancier hotels um when traveling and just you know and we're talking domestic Mm-hmm. But, you know, going out to L.A., having a long weekend, spending right. you know, a gang of money. I think once we get into the mindset, you're probably at that mindset right now. But I feel like once we get to the mindset of 
I only spend what I really can pay back. Like as long as it's not going to really like put me, put a dent in my income. Cause it's like if, if half of your income, yeah, you can pay it back when you get your income, but it's half of your income going back to it. You know, I feel like once we get ourselves or get our mindsets there, then that kind of helps us to like, you know, I think very few people get to that mindset. I'm not there. Yet. It takes time. No. It definitely does take time. I think that's added pressure to yourself. That's a lot of added pressure. You know, I'm no, you know, I love Dave Ramsey. I love Susie Orman. But, you know, unfortunately, I don't take their advice to heart too, too much. I love their advice. But for me, it's hard for me to use it. I'm not I'm not there. I still overspend. I still do those things. That's natural. It's normal. People, you know, someone would lie to you and say that that's not normal. Dave Ramsey overspends. He may have the money. He has the money to overspend. <laughs> that's the difference. But, yeah. you know, he buys unnecessary things. But, you know, that's natural. That's the natural part about being human. Like, I'll be sitting here lying, saying that, you know, I haven't, I still do not overspend, even though to some degree I have my ish together. I still do it. You know, it's, it's normal. Mm-hmm. It's normal. It's just that, you know, different mindset, different place in your life. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, so you, you kind of racked up that and whichever mm-hmm. you had that job. Did you change job? Let's talk about, like, how was your credit? Did your credit ever my credit was um, drop. Pre- my credit was pristine. Okay. Um, I remember going to like you know just looking at cars, you know, being bored and stuff, and I could you know, I remember I remember the car at the time was my dream car it was like a five twenty eight BMW. It's like in twenty twelve, and I remember going to the BMW lot and I remember them offering me like a one point nine percent rate. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh god, I that's made when it. you know when you. Like... Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's what she meant. With she was like that eight <laughs> percent, but um. Fast forward after that, um, I ended up getting a job at another, now I'm on financial institution number three. Mm-hmm. So it seems like I'm moving jobs, you know, rather quickly, but, you know, it's climbing up that ladder. Like, you know, right. if I tell people, you know, move up, money is important. Like, you know, people stay at jobs for years, you know, being stagnated, you have to move up. You have to, like, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jobs may tell you, like, hey, your resume looks jam-packed with jobs, but you have to move up. You you have to, you know, keep moving. And so on to the next large institution, get that job. I think I'm making $70,000 a year. You're moving up. But by this point, mm-hmm. I remember like the first week I started that job, I had bought a new Hermes belt, a different color, $1,000 belt. And I remember myself being in so much debt at this point. I'm just still shopping. My American Express card ended up being like $9,000 in one month. What I would do is I learned if you buy something on American Express at that time and return it, it will go towards the payment. Oh. <laughs> so my balance is like... Pretty much. Isn't that like... Mo- I think that's pretty much like most credit cards because they're crediting the... Uh, correct. So my balance is like nine grand. Mind you, I don't have a spending limit. They literally have a, you know, a 21-year-old... With you know, twenty one, twenty two year old with a no That's spending crazy on though. American That's... Express Platinum, mm-hmm. and so my balance is like nine, ten grand. So I find myself going to like you know these department stores, buying another five thousand dollar item, returning it twice wow. to cover that month's you know bill. And at this point, I have all this debt. So American Express offers like a pay over time feature, but you have to have the credit to qualify. So they do like a soft pull. They're denying me for the pay over time feature because at this point, my credit is like, you know, maxed out okay. or, you know, the high utilization. Yeah. And so they send me a letter and says, hey, we have temporarily suspended your account 
Oh wow. Because you have um, did too many credits to pay bills. You haven't paid any, you know, actual money towards your bills. Mm, so they caught on to it. Okay. Yes, American Express was the catalyst. So mind you, by this point, mm-hmm. you know, my department store credit cards are maxed out. My other, my little Walmart credit card is maxed out. Mm-hmm. You know, every credit card I got is maxed out. So can you remember right now, like, the total amount of debt that you were in at that time? I would at- say about... 59,000 or so. And you were 20, 19? 21, 22. 21. 22, yeah. And this wasn't student loan debt. This was just credit card debt. Credit card debt. Credit card and loans. Okay. All right. So take us through the journey now of you, your credit being, you know, taken. Credit was horrible. So, well, no, no, no. My credit wasn't horrible. My credit wasn't horrible because the thing is, my credit score probably had, you know, tainted a little bit. But at that point, I wasn't really, you know, even though I was interested in credit and things like that. Um, I wasn't really privy to credit scores, you know, so much. So I wasn't really checking my credit at that point to really know what my score was or my personal situation was. Right. I just know that at this point I was going to miss a credit card payment because they, Mm -hmm. American Express actually, they asked for my financials. So I had to send in like a pay stub and tax returns. So when I sent that information in, they cut my limit down to five. They gave me a limit of $5,000. And at this point I owe 9,000. They did not pay Wow. Time. So you went from Unlimited, no limit. No preset limit. To $5,000. $5,000. And my balance is now nine, ten grand. Why, why, did, why would they do that, though? Oh, they because put you my under. my finances did not line up to a $10,000 balance that I haven't paid. Right. I mean, I guess, but it's just. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, they have their reasons. And, you know, I can't say and I disagree with playing. them too much. And they're not playing American yeah. Express. Yeah. They don't and play. And so, um. I knew I was going to miss my next month's payment. I knew it. So I was like, oh, God, it overwhelmed me. So that's when I sought out bankruptcy because I was like, oh, my God, I want a late payment. But thinking back, I would have just um, hustled up the money. Thinking back, I would have hustled up the money and I would have filed bankruptcy. I think I was just overwhelmed at the time and didn't have any other. Uh, How did you who told you about bankruptcy at that age? Was it the, your experience with working in, like, the collection agency and seeing it on paper? And- I think I had overdone research online, Googling, what do I do if I'm in a boatload of debt and don't know what to do? Okay, and bankruptcy was one of the first things. And bankruptcy was one of the things that, hey, you file a Chapter 7, you get rid of your debt. Okay, and so you knew the difference at the time because, you know, Chapter 7, Chapter 13, yes, you want to talk about which one? you pay, repay your debts. Right. You know, you just pay them at, like, a, maybe a lower um cost interest rate a lot of companies will um, negotiate to get the interest rate or the government will mandate that they lower the interest rate and accept certain amounts with the chapter seven you're pretty much writing off all your debts in a sense like you're just like going belly up like i don't have it to pay and pretty much you have like a clean credit report like you know i'm an, i advocate for chapter seven you know i wouldn't say abuse it but you know i would say that if you're you know in debt up to your eyeballs utilize a chapter seven and you know but, you know, at 22, I think that that wasn't the best decision. I could have did other things to mitigate my debt. And okay. so with having a clean slate, you know, fast forward, you know, maybe a year or so, I'm able to get all these credit cards again. So a year after you were able to get credit well, cards. Well, credit cards probably, you know, 60 days after. I think I bought my car, you know. I bought a new car maybe maybe eight months after. But you're able to pretty much, you know, start acquiring new debt maybe three, four months after 
Right. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting, too, because, you know, people may be saying, you know, how is that so when bankruptcy stays on your credit report for like, what, seven, ten, ten years, years? It depends on the ten bankruptcy. Ten years for Chapter 7, right. seven years for Chapter 13. Right. So it's like they're you, you're going to get rid of all your debts. We're going to penalize your behalf for ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, you but you you know you can obtain debt, you can obtain you know new credit cards, you know you can buy a house in two years, you know with extenuating circumstances, and so you know there's ways around it. Um, it has bankruptcy hasn't prevented me from doing anything personally, but it has had its had its challenges. Okay. You know maybe certain credit cards or something, as long as you apply for it, and they're like no bankruptcies whatsoever. You know in so many years, and so you know things like that. Um, as I've gotten older, thank God I wasn't you know in the government sector of you know career-wise, mm-hmm. it can prevent you from doing some jobs within the government, right. some banking jobs and stuff like that, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, thank God that, you know, I necessarily wasn't affected by um, my filing of bankruptcy. Okay. After, you know, filing bankruptcy, start accumulating new debt. <laughs> One of those major credit unions out there that gives out all those credit cards and loans to people, y'all know. <laughs> they probably know, because I probably talked about, <laughs> talked about it before, so. You know. They started, you know, giving me all this boatload of credit again. Mm-hmm. And mind you, you know, I'm still young. So they give me all this credit. And, of course, I find myself back in the same situation. You know, maybe at this time, forty to $50,000 in debt. Maybe $10,000 less than what I was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm like, well, bankruptcy is not an option. You can only file, you know, every seven, eight years. Well, Chapter 7. So I'm like, that's not an option. A 13 is an option. But I'm like, I don't really want a Chapter 13. But, um... Now I'm just stuck with all this debt that I can't pay. And what happened was I was able to float my debt a lot, you know, of times, you know, the new, once I got into debt the second time, I was able to float, you know, make minimum payments and stuff like that. So I maintained my credit for the most part. And what happened was I was laid off of work. When I was laid off of work, I was unable to make my payments Mm. on all of my debt. So my credit went to craps yet again. Mm -hmm. And this was at what age by this time? By this point, I'm maybe 26. Seven, mm-hmm. yeah, twenty-seven. Okay, so five years after the bankruptcy, I find myself back in trouble yet again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, at this point, I'm unemployed for a year. Wow. So you know, I'm like, you know, hey, it's you know, living or credit. So at this point, I chose living. You mm-hmm. know, so I didn't try to stress myself out. So I would say this is where my journey starts, um, my real journey, or you know, a, a big part of my journey. Twenty nineteen, I get a job again. Mm-hmm. The job offer, they offer me, you know, a lower salary than what I'm accustomed to by this point. And from that $70,000 salary, I had moved jobs and went, you know, went up to, you know, to, you know, near six figures at this point. Oh, wow. And so they offered me in 2019. And, after, and let's pause oh, right there for a second for the people. Like six figures or almost six figures, high school dropout, no college oh, yeah. degree, right? And it's so it's possible you know, it's possible to make, you know, six figures without a college degree. You sometimes have to, like, possibly find certain career fields, like technical career fields. But then there are some, like, specialty careers, like, you know, the mortgage, mortgage industry, financial service industry. So, yeah, I think um, people research, research, research. And, you know, when you Google how to wiki, that's going to give you probably the most advanced route to get to where you're trying to get. You have to talk to people, get other scenarios, get other advice. I think that um, doing the one-stop shop never works. Right. Now, you know, you can't be a surgeon, you know, obviously, um, off of the one-stop shop. But, you know, you can, you know, 
be something else. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I take a job making a lot less salary than what I was accustomed to. And so started working there. One of the best jobs that I probably ever had in my life. A great company. Start working there. But finding myself not really able to get out of debt. Decent salary, not as used to, not as much as what I'm used to making. But I found myself, I found myself not being able to get out of debt. Like it wasn't easy to just pay forty, fifty thousand dollars in debt. It wasn't easy. And so the changing moment for me, I got a job offer paying a lot more base, twenty thousand dollars more. Mm. And they were like, our bonuses. Everyone here makes at least, you know, three to five grand a month in bonuses. Got the job. They did a credit check. Mm. They told me that, hey, you have to write a letter um, due to your credit. Wrote the letter and I wrote a plan with it, how I plan to tackle the debt with the newfound, you know, my newfound money. And they deny me anyway. They tell me, hey, we're not hiring you because you're a credit. Oh, wow. So I think that that was um, a changing moment for me. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, God, this is, you know, serious. And here comes 2020. The pandemic. Mm -mm -mm. Um, During that period, or even prior to that, I wanted to buy a house. And let's back up for a moment. When I worked for the job... When I got the American Express, mm-hmm. I worked for the the institution at the time is a well known allegedly racist company. Mm-hmm. It's the company that you know held Wendy Williams funds. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I applied for a mortgage with them back when I could get a house for seventy grand. Oh wow, a nice house. Mm-hmm. I was put through so many ringers to where I just gave up. Wow. I was put through so many ringers and it's so crazy to bring up credit score. My mortgage score at the time was a six seventy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they put me through so many things I just gave up. I I think I didn't have any financial literacy or anyone around me to give me that to tell me like, Hey, keep going. This is important. Get your house now. You know, yada, yada, right. Yada. So cause, yeah. cause, uh, well, cause one thing I want to ask. So, cause first of all, yes, I know what the mortgage process, it can be, tedious like mm-hmm. you you give them one document you think they're done and it's like they ask you for the same it's almost like they're asking you for the same document over and over and there over there was a lot of redlining at that time more so for me there was a lot of redlining in my opinion mm-hmm. redlining means you know targeting a specific group or you know and I may not be giving uh, the exact definition but it's targeting a specific group not giving them access to loans and stuff like that equally as the next person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's sort of like a discrimination type thing. You yeah. Know, I don't wanna, you know, Even though they it. say on the, the bottom of their Correct. We don't uh, discriminate equal, all that equal opportunity, opportunity credit housing, lending, no. credit lending stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's still to this day very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I believe to get off topic, yeah. One of my good friends um, down in Mississippi, he's a builder. And he tells me that to this day is like um, heavy, mm. you know, redlining it's a, African Americans. It's, it's a shame, and and they act like it doesn't exist, but it does. They say they don't, but they do. 
Oh, you it, know, it, it, de- it definitely matters. A hundred percent. Yeah, matters. it matters, and it still exists today. You know, once I became real, a little bit more versed in the uh, you know area, I realized like the redlining that occurred. Okay. Then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of that makes sense. Also, I wanted to ask. So you said like your mortgage score at the time was like six seventy, right? What w- what would you say coming from your background? You know, the mortgage score was never the... the issue. It was it was more so they made it so hard for me. Tell us about this large deposit. Tell us about this. And mind you, at the time, I was buying a hood property. Okay, hundred dollar down. Oh wow. So I was not using any of my in my large deposits at the time. Eight hundred dollars. They considered that large deposit. Correct. FHA, one um, percent of the sales price or more is large. Deposit. Is large deposit. So looking at a house for seventy grand at the mm-hmm. time, I think my loan amount at the time was like eighty grand that I got pre-approved for because the mm-hmm. houses weren't as expensive then. This is when the market was still tanked. This is like in twenty eleven or so, mm-hmm. and so. I think my pre approval yeah, for eighty grand or so, and so I had large deposits for, you know, eight hundred dollars and stuff like that, and so I couldn't really tell them where it was from because I mean I didn't know where they were from. You know, I didn't. You, know, you I didn't had know no where one. your deposits were from. Well, they were just like you know deposits. Well, I know where they were from, <laughs> child, but I can't say all that. <laughs> they considered like you know some of these in my eyes small deposits, you know, large deposits, and you know that could be from you know. Taking your money out, buying something, depositing in the back or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it was just a hard, you know, follow for me. And, and no one explained that process to me going into it. Hey, don't have any large deposits. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't mm-hmm. know that I needed to wait two months since I didn't have any. Like, I, did, I, I just was not um, privy to that information. And so I went into it blind instead of being coached through it at the time. It was more so like you screwed up in a sense. And so it was like no help during that process. And I'm not sure if it was that institution or just, you know, mm-hmm. you know, my ignorance, who knows. So he gave up mm-hmm. and then you applied elsewhere. You started no, the process again immediately. I or? let it go. Oh, I wow. let it go. You kind of like gave up on the whole buying a correct. house. Situation. I didn't know <clears throat> lack of financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, would um, be my answer to that. And so... And this was 2011, 2012. Oh, 2011, yeah. 2011, yeah. 2012, around that uh, neighborhood. Okay. And so fast forward mm-hmm. um, to the, you know, me having my job, you know, getting turned down for that one job about my credit. You know, I was looking at houses. I wanted this house so badly. It was like for, you know, $400,000. I was like, I want this house so bad. I want this house. I would do like the little mortgage calculator. <laughs> and... It was always, you know, I knew my credit wasn't there. And so fast forward to the pandemic, I ended up leaving my job that I did love very, very much for a higher paying job due to the fact that the mark, the housing market changed in 2020 when it got real hot. So I was offered a job and it came with a very lucrative sign-on bonus. Hmm. Those are good, those sign-on bonus. sign-on bonus pretty much equaled um, or a little less or more my debt load that I owed. Oh, wow. So at that point, I knew that I would be out of debt in literally two months. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking at houses in September of 2020. Okay. And prior to that, I had downloaded, and this is probably like in starting in 2014, 2015, I downloaded my FICO. And this is not an advertisement or not paying me anything. I downloaded my FICO. 
and I used to I was a, a avid watcher of Susie Orman. So that's probably why I got my love of credit and credit cards. Okay. My dad would watch Susie Orman when I was a kid. And <laughs> I wasn't an annoyed child by it. I would be interested in it. I have her book. I bought a book. Well, somebody gave me, I think, her book. The the money book for, the money book for the rich, broke, and fabulous. Have you ever heard of that book? I haven't. I don't <laughs> own any of her products, but I I I think I cried when that lady left. Uh, you know, the TV screen. I mm-hmm. cried. I, it was an, it was it was like Oprah or Wendy leaving. I tell you. <laughs> I downloaded my FICO probably probably in like 2014 2015 it's like a little app you pay like 40 bucks a month i downloaded it again in 2020 when i was paying off my debt i went to go and look at a house in september of 2020 beautiful house i fell in love with it i hate to this dad and get his doubled in value since and pulled my my fico before i even applied for a mortgage and this is before you know i hadn't really paid off any debt just yet my mortgage score, I want to say, was a four. The mid score was like a four eighty, mm-hmm. and the other one was like a four sixty. The other one was like a five oh three. I don't know mm-hmm. something you know crazy low. And this is September of twenty twenty. Pay off all my debt, you know, slowly. The charge offs I pay in full. Some of the collection items, some of the charge offs they had turned into collections, I did pay for a delete some I just settled and then disputed to get off of my credit and I'll divulge a little bit more to that yeah because I wanted to ask you especially with the pay for the delete oh and let's back up mm-hmm. March of 2020 right around the week of the pandemic starting <laughs> I paid someone a thousand dollars to do a credit cleanup hmm so by September of 2020, and he promised, oh, I'll have you done in 60 days. I reach out in 60 days. Oh, it's going to take a little bit longer because I have so many people. Oh, wow. It's going to be more like 90 days. But I guarantee you, in 90 days, you're going to see your score. You're going to be able to go buy you a house. Oh, wow. Call him at 90 days. He's taking a little bit longer. It's going to be 30 more days. You're going to be able to go buy that house. I promise you. He keeps pushing it back. <laughs> I promise you, you're going to buy that house in, 90 days, in another 30 days or whatever. Oh, my goodness. And so he keeps telling me that. And so I think around July, just like, you know, to help this person, like, you know, he's, you know, he's not coming through. Mm-hmm. And so my credit still tanked or whatever. And so June, no, July, early July of 2020 is when I start getting job offers. And so this one, like, you know, um, I had like a breath of fresh air. I'm like, oh, God, I can get this sign on bonus i can take care of my debt yay fast forward looking at the house and i didn't qualify i had those low um mortgage fico scores paying off my debt collection accounts pay for delete and so you started the process on your own right after you i started the process on my own simply off of you know you read these forums on my fico and you know you read these forums on you know quora and you know um, all of these different um, Reddit, these mm-hmm. different sites telling you how to get your credit together. But those things mean nothing without the money. Right. Let's be clear. You know, I can't sit here and, 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 and paint this glamorous story that you can overcome debt and all these things without having any money. And that's not to say money is easy to come by, but you do have to have money. So, you know, 
people who don't have the money, you know, who are great savers, you know, keep saving and get to that point to pay off these things and do what I did. But the people who have money or expecting money, do what I did. Follow. And exactly. how? What, what would your ad- advice be to people who aren't making enough money to really sustain themselves and pay off debt? Like, what's I would the solution say, to you that? You know, I would say this: if you're working at the local supermarket, you know you need to be trying to figure out how you're going to become the manager of the supermarket figuring out ways to pivot into more money some sort of way and i don't necessarily think that you know working three jobs is the answer if you have to work three jobs to get by you're doing something wrong right right i Um, believe that and yeah i'm big into side hustling too like find some side hustle that you can do to you know working for three companies at once you're doing something wrong Mm -hmm. if you are needing these companies or you're needing these jobs to get by now it's the difference if you're just working them just to have extra money and you're just working them because you like having a whole bunch of money (laughs) but if you're working two and three jobs because you need it that is an issue Mm -hmm. that is an issue you need to go back to school to get some other kind of training. And I don't think school, you know, you know my, my history and my experience in school. But I think if you're working two dead-end jobs to make it, you're doing something wrong. Because really, the goal should be for one of those jobs should be able to give you those, the three, yeah. you know, what what, it, what so you'll be getting in total from those expenses, three. Yeah. Your living right. expenses, your day-to-day. Yeah. So, you know. So he's not saying that something... You're, it's, extra to pay off wrong. Debt and things like that. Nothing's wrong with working three jobs. Let right. me be clear. But if you depend on three jobs, yes. that is an issue. Right. You're right. doing something wrong. Right. It is what it is. You're doing something wrong. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not. I'm, and I'm not talking about working for yourself, having three different revenue incomes. I'm talking if you're working, you know, at the at the supermarket, the you know, bartending job, and you're working at the department store. You're doing something wrong. You need to reevaluate it. So one last question before we shut down, because I know we've been going for a minute. We can talk all day. okay? but we got to go. But there's one thing that I want to ask you for people who are trying to purchase their homes. Right. Or purchase their their first house. But they have a low credit score. How should they go about it? What advice do you have for them? I would say, you know, pull your credit report. My FICO. Look at the items that you have. And don't be discouraged. Don't look at it and feel like this is it's this uphill battle. You know, in 2019, 2020, you know, I was just like most people who are longing to purchase their first home or, you know, longing to purchase another home who may have lost their home prior or something. Go for it. You know, check your credit, check your mortgage score. If your mortgage score lines up, like, you know, do your own research. You can Google mortgage guidelines. You can Google Fannie Mae. You can Google Freddie Mac. You can Google FHA. It's not, you know, lenders have their overlays, but, you know, pretty much you can Google all of these things, you know, come to YouTube to see us. But, you know, <laughs> you can Google these things. And so, you know, I just want to make sure that our audience here things in layman's terms and you know not so watered down in a sense of you know let me tell this story you need a credit score yada 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 i wanted to just give it in layman's terms and you know hopefully you know in the future give even more you know advice absolutely you probably have a part two questions in the comments and you know we'll divulge more into it absolutely we'll definitely answer we may not cover everything today 
Right, exactly. So if you have any questions at all, make sure that you leave the questions in the comments. You know that I like to go back to my comments and respond as much as possible. Things you may not understand, you know, no question is a dumb question. No question is, right. you know, too low to answer. You know, we sometimes we walk through life, you know, wanting to know simple things and we just never ask them. So don't feel, you know, like anyone's going to judge you. This is a judgment-free zone here absolutely 100 percent judgment-free love it love it well thank you so much mr oj listen if you guys like today's episode if you learned something today okay make sure that you hit that thumbs up button if you are watching on youtube if you are listening on any of the podcast platforms out there spotify apple google all that good stuff be sure to like follow and subscribe okay and share this episode especially to somebody that you know that's looking to purchase their first home all right so i'll go ahead and put um oj's youtube link you can go ahead and subscribe to his channel he doesn't have any videos up yet <laughs> you want to tell the people about that i will start making videos <laughs> and so you know i'll make sure i keep my fro and stuff and i'll make a video about it as well <laughs> <laughs> exactly so go on over to mr oj's youtube and subscribe okay but listen y'all <sighs> It was good today, okay? He shared the tea, and what I like about him, what I love about him, actually, is that he keeps it real, okay? No sugarcoating and all that good stuff, all right? And I hope that you guys learned something today and found value in today's podcast, all right? Don't forget to go ahead and hit that subscribe button and the notification bell as well. That way, whenever I post a new video, you'll be the first to know. Again, it's a girl, Shabibia. It was an absolute pleasure. Let's continue to grow those businesses and get financially healthy together. And I'll see you guys later. Be blessed. Bye.